Have you ever wondered, what's up with drag? Well, if you ask my expert today, you may have engaged in it and not even known. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Amber LeMay. Amber is a drag queen and has been doing so for going on 30 years now. During that time, Amber created the House of LeMay, a performance group, and raised literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for charitable organizations and causes both inside and outside of the gay community. I want to give a quick thank you to the audience members who came by for the one-year live stream and hung out with me. It was a lot of fun, and if you didn't get to listen live, you should go back and listen to the edited episode that was posted. I'd really like to hear your feedback on what the future of the show is going to look like. For now, let's recognize all the drag we've done in our lives without even knowing. Welcome to the show, Amber LeMay. Well, thank you so much, Colin. I really, I'm potent. Oh, I got to get my guy focals adjusted here to read your name, Colton. Hi, Colton. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I always appreciate being asked. You know, at my age, it doesn't happen that often. So when a nice young man asks me to talk to him, I jump right in. Well, I'm happy to have you. Why don't you introduce yourself and say what you do for the audience? All right. Well, I'll do anything for the audience that they pay me. But what I, who I am is I am Amber LeMay, and I'm an original member of the House of LeMay, which is northern New England's most established, some people say oldest, drag troupe, the House of LeMay. And we've been around for 30 years, and we've been raising um, hundreds of thousands of dollars and awareness for various um, groups, organizations, charities through, by performance and making appearances. Um, we've uh, established ourselves as an integral part of not just the uh, the gay community of Burlington, Vermont, but uh, the entire community. Uh, we do a lot of fundraisers for, you know, not just uh, AIDS-related causes or um, um, groups, but also um, the, just the other night, I was a judge at the Vermont Association for the blind and visually impaired. I was a judge for their Dancing with Their Stars. There was over 800 people at the Flynn Theater. So I got to uh, perform and uh, talk for that. Um, every year at the Vermont State Marathon, one of the most beautiful marathons in the country, um, we are at the corner of Church and College Street and we're directing traffic um, as the runners are going up one side of the street and down the other. We're right in the middle of it, directing traffic. Um, and we're just seen around town a, a lot these days. Yeah, it sounds like it keeps you very busy. Yeah, and uh, what uh, what happened was that uh, when COVID hit, you, rem you remember that thing called COVID? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, um, that Burlington, Vermont, shut down on March 16th of 2020, and on that following Saturday, on uh, March 22nd, I started a live stream talk show. Um, I was bored already. It had been less than a week and I was bored out of my mind. And so I called up my good friend, Russell Dreyer down in Queens, New York. And I said, Russell, I've been watching people do this um, live stream Facebooking thing. Um, how do you go about doing that? 
He says, well, you've got a laptop with a camera, so you just turn it on and click the button and start talking. And so that's what I did. I sat in my, I got dressed up, got sat in my, sat in my living room, put the laptop on my lap and turned it on and just started talking. We called it Ask a Drag Queen or Ask Amber, I guess it was. And so for three weeks, I would just sit there with the laptop bouncing on my lap and <laughs> for lighting and just talk. And after three weeks, uh, Russell said, you know, Amber, I think we can do something more with this. And so he talked to me about uh, better lighting, uh, creating a set, and um, and we started getting guests. And it wasn't just me talking for an hour. Um, and at first, our guests were local people. Um, I was talking to bar owners. I was talking to business owners. I was talking to entertainers and politicians, you know, just saying, how are you doing during COVID and what can we do for ourselves? And I really thought that was a nice connection with people because, you know, we were all going through this at the same time and really, you know, without a, a manual. So you know, we had to reach out wherever we could. And so then Russell had been in New York for 20 some years. So he had a lot of um, entertainment connections there. So we started getting some of his people uh, on the show and just kept broadening out our, our audiences and our guests. We had uh, authors, we've had doctors, we had lots of politicians and uh, lots of drag queens. And um, it just has gone on. And we've done 121 episodes of Amber Live so far. And if you take the number of Sunday nights that are between May 20 or March 22nd, 2020, and here we are in September of 2022, there's not a whole lot more than 120 Sundays. So we've been on almost every Sunday mostly live. Sometimes we have to record a show uh, for the convenience of, a, of the guest or if I want a night off. But uh, we've consistently run a live show on uh, Sunday nights at eight o'clock Eastern. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of, you know, meant to cure your boredom and uh, invented a career. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that career, don't, don't you get paid for a career? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> one, of the, one of the definitions of career? That hasn't happened yet, but uh, we're working on, you know, making some contacts and uh, seeing what happens. Because, you know, how many channels do you have on your TV, you know? And all that, con there has to be some content on all those channels. So we're just hoping that sometime there might be a little niche in one of those channels for uh, a version of Amber Live. Yeah, that would be awesome, right? To, yeah, I mean, be broadcast outwards, not just on the internet, but on, you know, like a satellite. And what better than a, a drag queen to be broadcast? Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we get into to some of the the teaching moments that we have here? Um, what is drag at its core? Well, you know what? That, and that, that's a very good question because uh, it's really transformed over the past uh, several, even the number of years I've been in it. It's uh, the drag definition has uh, has fluctuated. And, you know... To me, drag is just creating a persona that's someone different than yourself. And it doesn't have to be of a different gender. It doesn't have to be anything. It's just that create a character. And if it's not who you are in everyday life, that's drag. And uh, whether it be um, putting on leather, <laughs> you know, a leather man, that's drag. <laughs> it's, or any of the cosplay, that, that's, that's, that's drag. So that's the way I see it, you know, just doing something different. Now, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as being a drag queen, um, 
it, it's again, I we create characters. We we are we don't consider ourselves female illusionists. If you don't believe me, go to my website, amberlive.tv. We are not female illusionists. We are not female impersonators. We are just characters. We create characters who just happen to appear as female. And but uh, we have the bodiness that uh, that is the old history of the drag queens as entertainers. And uh, you know, RuPaul has a really uh, pushed uh, the female illusion part up to up another notch, and that's fine. That's a fine form of drag, but that's just not the kind of drag we do. You know, just like anything else, there's many categories that um, the word can fit in. Yeah, it sounds like you know you just kind of tag the second word on there, like oh, anything not yourself, like you said, is drag, and then if you're doing it in, in the specific style, it's drag queen. Yeah, you know, if if it's a, a male, um, um, a self-identifying male who uh, takes on a female persona, I say that's a drag queen. Yes. Okay, interesting. So, do you think that it's not drag queen if a female does it? Oh <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> then they're being a pageant pageant girl. You know, that's uh, <laughs> you know, be, women say, Oh, I want to be on RuPaul's drag queen, Ru- RuPaul's drag race. No, no, go after Miss America. That that's your drag race. You know, you've got yours. <laughs> Let us have ours. I'm very selfish that way. <laughs> so yeah. no, actually, we, go out, we go out a lot of times and women go, Oh. I wish I could dress like that. And I go, honey, <laughs> buy some clothes, make an effort. You know, that's what it is. It's just making an effort. <laughs> and then people notice that. Well, I'm sure if you go out and you put, if you just happen to put a, a sports coat over a t-shirt, all of a sudden people go, wow, you look nice. You know, and it's just this old sports coat over a t-shirt, but you made an effort <laughs> and people notice that. So yeah, the, the women and they go, oh, I love your legs. I go, well, show yours, you know, let, let people see what you got. That's Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think like, oh, well, yeah, because I was trying to understand like, okay, in the definition, can a woman be in, in place of a drag queen? And then you're like, well, it's just a pageant. And I was like, oh my God, it is a pageant. Like, it's exactly a pageant. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> Now, now there are drag kings where uh, um, people who identify as female take on a male persona, you know, and that's a drag king, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but you know, you straight those straight people, they they got their own things. You know, let let us have our own fun sometimes. Yeah. We're trying to to get in what the gays are doing. <laughs> yeah, and you said that you know before where you're like, we're not just part of the gay community; we're part of the community. Is drag queen generally like part of associated as part of the gay community? Well, definitely part of uh, the gay community. Yes, um, because it was, uh, you know, it was the drag queens who started Stonewall, you know, were, were an integral part of the Stonewall riots. And it was drag queens who um, raised a lot of money and awareness during the AIDS crisis. And so drag queens are pretty much welcome in, in the, the gay community. Um, and I think we're very fortunate, we here at the House of LeMay, to live in Burlington, Vermont. You know, Burlington, Vermont's only a town about, you know, 45,000 people. And uh, a town of that size, let's say, in Indiana or uh, Missouri, 
um, I don't think they would be as accepting as Amber and the House of LeMay as they are in Burlington. Burlington's a very special place. You know, it's a place where Bernie, or Bernie Vermont, or Bernie Vermont, that's what he should, should name himself. Bernie Sanders was mayor of Burlington for several years. Then he became congressman. And now he's, of course, a senator. And so Burlington's always been very open-minded. And it, I don't know what it is. There's something about Burlington, whether it be because it's on the shores of Lake Champlain plain, whether it's between the uh, the Green Mountains and Adirondack Mountains, there's just something, an energy here that uh, uh, creative people come together and um, people, it's a, um, a live free type of uh, society here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Like you found a place where you can kind of set roots and everyone, every, I mean, I assume not everyone, but most people are very accepting and they're like, oh, cool. Like, this is neat. Well, last night we went, Lucy Bell, that's Lucy Bell's my cousin, um, and Lucy Bell LeMay, and uh, she's my cousin, and she's a foreign exchange student from Mississippi. Yes, she came to uh, our hometown of Beaver Pond. Oh, I haven't told you about Beaver Pond yet. See, we <laughs> to, to create a character, we wanted to create a backstory as well. So we created um, the fictional town of Beaver Pond, Vermont, and that's where the House of LeMay originates from. Um, we live in the, the hot damn trailer park. And we have all these stories about the different citizens of Beaver Pond. And when we do, we perform shows, um, we bring in those characters. And if you go on our YouTube channel, um, check out Amber Live YouTube, um, you'll see some of the various characters of Beaver Pond. Um, and we do, we represent them in some of our shows that we do. Um, uh, almost a lot of the uh, in the fall, we do our cider sip and leaf peeping review where we talk about tourism and politics usually. And then in the spring, we do our our sap tapping mud flapping review where we talk about how bad winter was and how how we're welcoming summer. And uh, so that that we bring in the characters um, from Beaver Pond there. Beaver Pond is also mentioned in uh, or the Beaver Pond Players um, in our musical number called Sweaty Balls. And <laughs> that's quite the song that, again, you want to Google Sweaty Balls. Well, maybe Drag Queen Sweaty Balls. <laughs> well, I have to do that, see what kind of pictures come up there. But the song is called Sweaty Balls. And uh, we had fun filming that. Our good friend Jack Quint, um, wrote the, I wrote the words and Jack Quint wrote the music and produced the the video of, of the number. Anyway, I was getting back to Lucy Bell and I. Yes, not just last night, we went to the Tunbridge World's Fair. And Tunbridge, Vermont is this small town um, on the, uh, the White River. And it's in this valley. And they call themselves the World's Fair. And if you've ever been to a country World's Fair, this is a country World's Fair. And, or we're a fair, country fair. And we didn't know how we were going to be accepted. And, you know, because we just didn't know. We thought, what the heck? We'll go down and have fun. And it couldn't have been more fun. You know, some people kind of rolled their eyes, but others just people started applauding us, you know, and coming up and asking for pictures. And it couldn't have been a better experience. We've got some funny, funny videos on our YouTube channel um, of Lucy Bell and I going down the big slide and us in the Ferris wheel and, uh, Lucy ate a corn dog. That's pretty funny too. So, but we we have fun like that. So, so we we venture out every once in a while. No, I mean that sounds like a lot of fun to kind of just like, you know, 
go out about town and then see, I guess, the general reaction as people are like, oh, wait, what's happening? <laughs> I, I, someone said, did we miss a show? <laughs> I go, no, we're just out having fun. Yeah. And there, uh, one time, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, we were walking down Church Street, which is the main uh, drag of uh, Burlington. It's pe a pedestrian mall. And someone started yelling some things that weren't very nice to us. And three people said, stop, those are the LeMays. You can't talk that way about the LeMays. And I don't know who these people were, but they knew who we were. <laughs> and uh, that that's, makes it very nice. That's fun that they're like, no, the House of LeMay is an integral part of our community, and you can't talk like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's fun. So, you know, you talk about developing this persona and even giving it like a backstory where do you come up with like this the persona stage name oh well that that's interesting well lemay is a cheap shiny fabric so you know it's spelled l-a-m-e like lame but we we said lemay l-e-m-a-y that's our name and then um it was funny we had dressed up for drag our first time we dressed up for drag um was for halloween you know like most gay guys you know we did that and so someone showed a picture of me in drag. This was before I created Amber. And um, they said, oh, that looks like Amber from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> and so I said, well, that might as well be a, a name as anything. And so that's how I got the, the Amber LeMay. Um, and how we started doing drag was this was, oh, yeah, 30 years ago. Uh, there were two drag queens in Burlington at the time, Cherry Tart and Yolanda. Google Yolanda, great musician in New York City right now. Um, but they were here and they were performing and people really liked it, but they were a little different. They were, uh, Yolanda was more of a, a folk singer, fairy type um, drag performer. And Cherry was a um, like an old vaudevillian um, Mae West type of drag queen where she would tell dirty jokes and sing off key songs. And um, Mike and I, my friend Mike and I were looking at him and said, we can do that because <laughs> the audience really loved them. <laughs> we said, we like to perform. Let, let's think about doing that. And Mike says, well, I can sew. I go, well, I can write material. So let's do it. So that's when we created Amber and Margarita sisters LeMay. And we did that for several years. We'd sing songs and do um, jokes. And then people were saying, you guys were having a lot of fun. Can we join you? And that's when we created the House of LeMay, was when people joined the joined Mike and I. And we said, you have to create a character. You know, you have to be a part of the family. And so they did. So we've just grown. And we've got about 10 people in the house right now. And one of the amazing things is um, the first time we performed on New Year's Eve, 30 years ago, um, we had our good friend Cindy Zook singing with us, and our accompanist was Craig Hilliard. Well, to this day, Craig Hilliard still our accompanist, and Cindy is still in several shows as Cousin Crystal. So, that, and that's and Lucy Bell. I've known Lucy Bell for 25 years, and a lot of the other characters that we have, we've we've just known each other for so long that we just say, "Hey, let's do a show," and and we do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, especially to have that much like you know history in the game because i have to imagine over like you said, 30 years a lot of things have changed you know <laughs> yes yes it has. you know we used to uh when we'd go to a to do a show and we didn't have uh, uh couldn't take our accompanist with us we'd take our music on cassette tapes 
you know. <laughs> it's, uh, and then they they said, nah, if you need a CD, God, we, we don't have a cassette player. We need a C, you need a CD. So we thought, okay. So then we figured out how to put music on a CD. Then one time we took the CD, they go, we don't play CDs anymore. <laughs> don't you have it on a thumb drive? <laughs> and we go, not yet. <laughs> so then we had to go to a thumb drive. And now it's MP5s and I don't know what else now. It's just, but that, that's been a major change in, in the years is the technology. <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine. You're and like... Facebook, of course, Facebook too. Thank God Facebook wasn't around 30 years ago and we first got started but we might not be alive today because <laughs> we we would go out and say some pretty um outrageous things that was in the confines of the room but now you know it could be recorded and taped and thrown out there immediately so we're very uh, fortunate that wasn't around then yeah it's another one of those where you're like no wait context is important mm-hmm we, we yes. weren't we weren't holding a rally. We were having a show. <laughs> yes, yes, awesome. So in drag, because we've you know we've talked like okay, drag is generally like accepted as part of the gay community. Um, when in the persona, do you also change your pronouns? Yes, yes, I do. I uh, I, I say she. You know, I I I I I think I represent Amber as female. So I, you know, where I, I don't think I'm a female impersonator or a female illusionist. My character is um, female identified, you know, and uh, so that's uh, that, it's funny that creating the character. I've decided that Amber is your favorite aunt and or drunk neighbor or your drunk aunt or your favorite neighbor. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's a fun girl. She like, she's a fun girl and likes her vodka, too. God forbid she's your favorite drunk aunt who is your neighbor. <laughs> We all had one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> awesome. So looking at, you know, drag queen, obviously there's a lot of like performance in it. Do you generally see it more as a hobby than you do like as a career? Oh, definitely. You know, um, I've always had a full-time job doing, you know, doing this. This is a hobby. And, uh, you know, some people spend thousands of dollars playing golf or having a boat. This, this is my hobby. You know, this is what I do for fun. Um, you know, and even when we perform, we we do not take tips. If you go to a lot of drag shows, you see them out there just reaching for the dollars while they perform. Well, our philosophy is you paid at the door. You know, if we wanted money, we'd t we'd t charge the uh, the bar owner. You know, that's uh, that's what we would do. So, um, yeah, it's not a career. And but I know a lot of career drag queens, and that is work. Uh, they, uh, we, we have good friends who are drag queens down in Provincetown all summer, and then they travel the, they travel the world, but it's work. They're on cruise ships. Um, they're over in Europe, it, but, but they got very rarely do they have anybody with them. They have to lug all their stuff with them. And I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy just doing what I do here in my basement in the old North end of Burlington, Vermont. Sure. And like you said, you get to use it, you know, to do like charity work. Like you can still use your hobby to be beneficial. Oh, that's it. You know, we always said, well, we can't give you money, but we can do a show. <laughs> so we can get other people to give you money. <laughs> right. I can inspire donations. That And that's we do. And that's why I say we, we have we've raised literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and awareness. 
um, from the Ronald McDonald charities. We were celebrity waitrons, you know, and we were one of the top uh, getters of, of money for that event. And uh, we, we uh, performed for a fundraiser for the local middle school drama department. And we called them the future drag queens of America. <laughs> All the fathers nodded during <laughs> Okay. <laughs> It's funny when we, when you see someone that they really enjoy us, you know, especially if they're straight, married, kids and all that, you can, you can tell they're tired, but when they see us, they just get a sparkle in their eye thinking those people are having fun, you know, and that, that's nice. People like to see people having fun. And so we, we try to let them watch us. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like enjoying any other version of performance. Like I enjoy going to comedy shows. And mm-hmm. so in that same vein, like, oh, if you enjoy going to drag shows, that might be your thing. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's a comedy show. You've been to comedy shows where the comedy comedians just up there going line, 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 line. And but there's others who are really enjoying the moment and will make a comment about the audience and have interaction with the audience. So to me, those are the best comedians. There was one um, fairly famous comedian that came through Burlington several years ago. And I went to, I was looking forward to seeing them and I was really disappointed because his act was all, it could have been the same act in Chicago, LA, no making fun of Burlington or Bernie or anything like that. And there, trust me, there's plenty of things to make fun of in Burlington. And uh, so I was disappointed in that way. However, when Kathy Griffin came to town, she spent her first 20, 25 minutes ragging on Burlington. Uh, not ragging, but just pointing out some very odd and peculiar things about Burlington. And she just, the audience loved it, you know, because they felt a part of it that they were, um, she she brought them in you know, as, as part of their lives. So that's the type of humor I like. I like to engage with the audience whenever I can. Yeah. And that seems like, you know, fortunate to be able to do that because a lot of people, especially in today's, you know, creator economy, they kind of just do, you know, what I do basically where I sit here, I look into a camera, I talk into a microphone. I don't like look out and see the audience. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to assume some of my interaction. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. They can't see you. I, I can see you now. <laughs> yes, of course you can see me. Um, but, but, another thing, you know, we, we, we do not lip sync. We, we sing songs, a lot of uh, some standards, but also we, uh, do some satire songs as well. We create words to, to other songs um, and that helps create a character. And that, that um, helps the audience get to know you better and to like you. Whereas some people just get up and lip sync and dance, uh, but you don't know anything about them. You know, it's, uh, it's just, they're just a performer. They're not a person. And we, we like to be considered people or characters. Yeah, you're kind of like if you come to the show, you're getting to know me. Mm-hmm. This you're gonna get to know Amber and the whole family real well. <laughs> they do too. And we, oh, well, one of um, um, my dear sister Marguerite, who uh, is unable to perform with us at, at the right now, but um, Marguerite um, would perspire a lot, and um, sometimes when she talked, water would come out of her mouth as well. 
So we always warn people, hey, you in the front row, either spit or sweat, you're going to get wet. So you might want to back off a little bit. We make fun of ourselves as well as the audience and everything else. So they, uh, we're all in it together. Yeah, you're like, welcome to the splash zone. <laughs> One time we did have splash, we gave out splash cards. <laughs> That's awesome. So as you know, drag has grown and as you know, the internet has kind of connected us all across the country, um, I think we all get to see a lot more like instances of drag queens. You know, I see it in the news every once in a while. I see obviously like RuPaul. The show has uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you feel like it's kind of building a community that stretches like and connects to each other? Um, I don't know. I, you know, when something like this happens, um, it creates competition, you know, and I just don't mean um, RuPaul's, you know, especially if uh, you're one counting on money, you know, you want to make sure you're you get the money and the person next to you doesn't because <laughs> there's only so many dollar bills out there so you you i think it sometimes creates a a competition and uh which i don't know if that's healthy or not uh, it's, uh, I, i'm not sure yeah well it's something i wonder because everything that we do nowadays like they have you know the people in it right everyone who's inside of that group doing the thing and sometimes the community of that is a little more toxic than it is helpful. Like, you know, in getting into podcasting, I was very concerned. I was like, this is going to be extremely competitive. No one's going to help me. I'm going to be all by myself and I'm going to be totally screwed. Um, and then I found basically everyone I ever worked with, it was extremely helpful. Like everyone was very much doing the, you know, you have two hands, one to pull you up and one to pull up the person behind you. And I got lucky there, but I know, you know, not every group is like that. So it's one of those things I wanted to see, you know, how you see it and what's going on. Well, I know in, in our group, um, the House of LeMay, we're pretty selective about who we choose to be amongst us. Uh, because, like I said, we've been together 25, 30 years and we've seen it all. <laughs> no one's going to come in and tell us something different or something new. <laughs> and so we're very selective that way. So some people might say, oh, they're toxic. You know, they, they, they won't let anybody play with them. Um, and it's really tough to develop that community, that a type of community. And you, you, one has to be self-aware of their position in that community. And, whether they want to assume a different position and how to go about it, you know, and some people just don't think that out. They just think it should be given to them as opposed to be earned. And, uh, sure, sure. I think that's one of the things that uh, I feel fortunate about that uh, we've, we've earned our, our place in our, our community overall. And so that's really nice. I, we've seen a lot of drag queens come and go <laughs> over the years. That's for sure. Yeah. And I assume, you know, it's much more competitive when you're talking about like the career performers where like they've got to secure, you know, a singing spot on a cruise ship and there's only, you know, 30 of those in a given month or whatever. Like that's a pretty competitive market if if you're doing that yeah. for your business. Yes, it is. And they have to come up with a new show every, you know, every year. Our philosophy is, you know, either new material or a new audience. And so that's why we went to Tunbridge last night. It was a new audience. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it is. And uh, that's why I, 
you know, as much as I like to perform, I don't think I have the the balls to take it on as a career. You know, um, if someone wants to hire me just to be me, that's one thing. But uh, to really work hard as Miss Richfield and Varla Jean and Miss Conception and um, uh, Sherry Vine, uh, you know, um, Lady Bunny, Hedda, Hedda Lettuce, all of those girls work so hard. And, um, you know, it, it pays off. But I, I don't think they've earned the status they deserve because uh, um, they're very good performers and they're nice people, too. Very nice people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what are some other, you know, common misconceptions when people are like they hear drag? I think the big one that I heard um, in trying to do a little research, so I didn't say anything super offensive in being too dumb, um, was they were like, it's not cross-dressing. Oh, <laughs> I have a very un-PC joke about all that that I, I will not share with you. <laughs> Maybe offline. <laughs> sure, you got to come see the show live in order to hear it. <laughs> oh, no, I can't even say it on stage. I at least say it amongst friends. <laughs> um, no, it's not. You know, there's, there's studies done that the majority of men who wear women's clothes are straight. You know, that they just have they get, feel a release. They feel um, um, comfortable. Uh, they like the feel of the clothes, but they're straight. You know, they have sex with women. Um, then there are people like me who like to put on clothes as a costume. You know, I, uh, someone um, uh, I saw somewhere that um, some mother, some child asked their mother, Mommy, what's that? And they go, that's a drag queen. Well, what's a drag queen? Why, why do they look like that? Said, well, you like to dress up and have fun, don't you? And in costume? They go, yeah. Well, that's their costume. I thought that was a nice uh, nice way of putting that. And so I, I would put that in that, um, us in that category, that we're just dressing up and having fun. It's a costume. And then there are the transgendered people who um, who are assuming um, the uh, the opposite or the other gender and um, develop and transform into that gender. Um, so there's, you know, I say there's three distinct, but there's probably, you know, it's whole spectrum um, and everywhere in between all that. But uh, you said misconceptions. Um, one is, oh, you, you want to be a woman, don't you? No, I don't want to be a woman. Yeah, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with women. <laughs> it's just that I, I'm fortunate that I, I don't have that struggle. You know, and uh, I'm very, I'm very happy, pleased that I don't. And I admire those that are have that struggle and are going after their dreams. I really do. But I say that was the most th the, the thing. Or oh, you're just doing it for attention. Well, yeah, some of that's true. But that's why we try to do it for good. You know, that's why we uh, we we use our. Uh, it's a talent. I think we have a talent, and part of that talent is to raise money and uh, and awareness for groups. So that's what we use it for. So yeah, you're like, yeah, of course I use it for attention. We're running a charity here tonight. Like, yes, I, <laughs> I am doing it so that you will pay attention to me. Yes, um, yes. No, it sounds like that was a really, a really well said des description of kind of what these, you know, how you can separate these things where it's like, if you're cross-dressing, there is no persona involved. And then if you get into drag queen, like you have a persona and you're, you know, dressing up in costume. And then if you are trying to look even further to separate them, you have transgender, which is not a persona, but rather a like transition of who they are into, you know, just another gender. 
Yeah, that's a you you recap that word very well. Yeah, I thought it was really good when they said when you said it. So I wanted to like emphasize that people heard that. Like, hey, the way I heard that was probably the best description I've ever heard. And I did research before the episode. <laughs> so that was really good. Um, any others that really get you, like people that show up and just have a, they're like, oh, this is how it's going to be. And then are surprised. Uh, uh, you know, I, um, overzealous females, um, that's uh, the bachelor party type females who come in and think the world's all about them, who um, just think, oh, girl, and they start grabbing everywhere and uh, touching hair and stuff. You go, no, no, just uh, act civilized. That's th th that type of audience uh, bothers me a lot. Uh, just, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of gay bars now that don't allow um, bachelorette parties because of, of that activity. You know, it's a, uh, they think there's oh they're safe here they can do whatever they want well no you can't you got to be civilized <laughs> yeah yeah this is not a full on debauchery zone you need to have no. some decorum that's, that's in the back room <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no I think that's great um, anything else you really like wanted to share that I didn't ask or touch on um, no. Um... Let's see. Well, one thing that we want, one of the main events that we do, it's called Winter is a Drag Ball. Um, and that happens uh, usually in February. We were very fortunate that we got uh, 2020. We did ours in February and everything shut down in March. And then the, in 21, we did a virtual drag ball, which I was able to bring um, performers in um, a, a local uh, nightclub that had a team, had a, a set and cameras and so we were able to film some acts and we had a virtual drag ball and then this this year um we had to postpone it in february because there was an uptick and then we moved to april um and so but next year we're all set for a february 18th and it's held at higher ground which is the largest nightclub i think between like boston and montreal and uh in one room is the ballroom have it has 700 people in the lounge there's 350 people and you buy one ticket and you go back and forth into the rooms i've got entertainment on both both sides so a thousand people attend usually have anywhere between 75 and 100 performers throughout the night um and it's a big big party that, that's very fun another thing we did was several years ago we were getting discouraged about um some politics going on so we created the the league of drag queen voters and so we would go out and encourage people to to register and our motto is don't blow it vote and uh, we just uh, feel very strongly that everyone has a voice and uh, you need to make sure you make that voice heard by voting. You know, even if you live in a, the bluest of blue states like Vermont, where I live, I still vote. And um, even if you live in the reddest, reddest state, you don't think your blue vote's going to count? Yes, it will. Because someone will say, ooh, there's someone else who thinks like I am. And so more that attracts more and more voters. So get out there, vote, encourage other people to register and vote this election coming up in November. We always say it's the most important ever. Well, this one pretty much is the most important ever. So if we want to keep things even semi the way they are and with the hope of improving, we've got to keep voting. Yeah, and I think that's a good like thing to get out there because I have heard so many people, including myself when I was younger, where I said, well, I'm just one vote. Like, how do I make a difference? 
And that's how you end up with only like 30% of the population voting. <laughs> well, when Bernie Sanders first ran for mayor of Burlington, he won by 10 votes. And that, that was, and if, and the thing was, after he ran one mayor, he ran for governor and Senate and would only get like 10% of the vote, but he kept running. And, and Bernie is saying the same thing today that he said 40 years ago. Uh, it's almost word for word. And now look at the following that he has. You know, he, he just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And uh, that's what we have to do, too. We have to keep at it and keep voting and getting more people to vote. Yeah, it's kind of like anything you do. You know, it, if you stop the first time you fail, like you'll never get better at it. That's it. That's it. Got to keep going. Awesome. Well, I've appreciated it like, immensely having you on the show. It's been great. Um, I wanted to give you time to kind of plug where people can find you and they can watch your show and, you know, say your YouTube channel again. Sure. Uh, um, it's called Amber Live and it's on live every Sunday at eight o'clock Eastern. And you can find it at uh, amberlive.tv. Um, you can go on YouTube and Google Amber Live, Amber LeMay Live. And um, there's over 900 clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel. And while you're on there, subscribe, will you? We want to up our subscriptions. And also check us out on TikTok. We've got some funny, funny TikToks and Instagrams and uh, as well as Facebook too. So just uh, use your old Google machine and uh, check out Amber LeMay, L-E-M-A-Y. Yeah. And while you're on there, you know, do those things. Subscribe, like a video, leave a comment. All those things help in the algorithm. They help boost your... You know, your creators that you enjoy up further so more people get to see them. That's right. Very good. I appreciate that plug there, Colton. Of course. Well, thank you again, Amber. This has been great. I've appreciated it. Um, I want to hear that joke. So I'm going to shut us out here. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. It was a pretty good joke, but I am sworn to secrecy. So sorry, everyone. Please do go back and listen to that one-year episode if you haven't already. As I said, I'd really like to hear the feedback on some of the ideas that I pitched. Also, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible if you're listening on those. If not, subscribe, drop a comment, just let me know you're enjoying the show. The only way to help this show grow is to get new reviews and new listeners, and you can do your part by telling other people that you enjoy the podcast. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. To reach out to me, email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to any of the show pages like on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever else you're using. It's the end of September, so the official top countries for the month are number one, the United States, with Oregon earning back its top spot alongside California. Number two, the United Kingdom, still maintaining an edge over number three, Australia, with New South Wales having more listeners than the rest of the top three Australian states combined. Way to go. Number four, Canada, with top province, Ontario. And number five, Sweden, led by Holland and keeping New Zealand out of the top five. That's all for now. I'll see you all Monday for the next high performance episode. Bye bye.